Thank you, John. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Merry Christmas. Well, if you would, stand with me and we'll get ready to start the service. Well, communion's been set up around the sanctuary at any time, believer. Enjoy the, the cracker and the grape juice. Jesus passed it around at his last supper and said, this is my body broken for you. He said, this is a symbol of my blood spilled for the remission of sins. Christmas helps us celebrate Easter. Well, a little out of Micah 5-2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Let's stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, you are the great promise keeper, the giver of the rescuer, the author of our salvation. Thank you for grace found in Jesus. Lord, fill this place as we worship you today. And Lord, it's, a, it's such a joy to say happy birthday to you, Jesus. And all of God's kids agreed by saying, amen. Turn around and say hello to one another. God bless you guys.
sing together, oh come let us adore, oh come let us adore Him, come let us adore Him, oh come let us adore Him, Christ
Merry Christmas, everybody. Today we have a good tree. Let's welcome Mr. Dennis Agajanian. Well, Merry Jesus' birthday to everybody. I can't stand it when they go, Happy Holidays. It's almost like you're going to get in a confrontation. Well, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Holiday nothing. I just love Christmas. I love uh, Christmas Day. Let's give the sound man back there the great round of applause. He's the best in the world. Just a happy bunch of shepherds on the hill 
watching over their flocks when the fire begins to chill then the sky opens up with a heavenly light before them stood an angel with a message in the night go thee down into the town there's a child you've really got to see You're the first to be invited Go thee down into the town Once you've seen him, tell everyone you see He's the one you've waited for We're not waiting anymore There's a shepherd born to show the way there heaven said that he'd be found and they knew that they were standing on the holiest of ground then they thanked the lord who sent them to this wondrous sight they shared with every one of them the message in the night go thee down into the town there's a child you've really got to see. Be not afraid, but be excited. You're the first to be invited. Go thee down into the town. Once you've seen him, tell everyone you see. He's the one you waited for. We're not waiting anymore. There's a shepherd boy. shepherds on the hill. Thank you very much. I love you all. Merry Christmas. Wow. Dennis Agajanian, thank you so much. Well, hey, let's uh, take a look at these video announcements. All right, a lot of you guys have been asking me, what can we do to fill the time during Wednesday night the 27th and Sunday night the 31st? Because we don't have any service that day. A lot of you guys are bored, but I have a solution for you. First, you can read a book like the Bible. You can go for a nice little jog or you can even ride a bike. But the most effective and my favorite is leg stretching. Let me show you what I mean. First leg. Oh, yeah. And if you're feeling brave, second leg. Feel the burn. I don't want to hear you guys say that you were bored. What's up, everybody? This is Pastor Greg. And I'm Rick. Hey, what's up, Miho? So guys, our big Christmas Eve service is coming up December 24th. That's right. And Rick and I are here to load up the Christmas tree. Rick, go get your truck, bro. Yeah, back it up, dude. 
I got to go surfing. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. We got our tree loaded up in the truck. We'll see you guys Christmas Eve at 6.30. You ready for that, Rick? I am. All right. I'll see you later, big bro. Bye-bye now. Have you ever wanted to work at the bookstore? Please apply in the church office. It's a great job. Wow. <laughs> Oh, well, Merry Christmas. Hey, junior high and high school students, you can head to the lobby to go meet your teachers. Hey, while they're doing that, everyone, I want to point out that there are offering boxes around the sanctuary and in the lobby. If you're watching online, you can use the online giving option. Right now, while they are exiting, we're going to go ahead and close in a, in a prayer. So, Deborah, GK, would you come up and close us? God bless you guys, and Merry Christmas once again. Gracious Father, we are so thankful to you for the grace that you have given to us, your son, your only begotten son, who is in the bosom of the Father. You gave him for us that we might have eternal life. For eternity, we give you praise. Thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate, to remember your grace to us. Father, I lift up everyone in service to you. Let the light of the world, Jesus Christ, lighten up every darkness in their lives. For in him was life. In him is the light. That light is the life of men. That life is the light of men. Father, lighten up every darkness. Those who are grieving right now, Lord, let them put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Remove every pain, O oh Lord. Heal hearts. Strengthen your people with might in their inner man. Let them remember your love, your faithfulness. And Lord, we pray for the minister who will minister the word. Let your word come out of him as your oracle speaking your life for Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly we are grateful for your gift father in Jesus name amen amen <clears throat> thanks Deborah thank you Jonathan good morning church Good morning, good morning. If you would be so kind as to stand, we'll read a portion of the passage we're going to look at this morning in Luke chapter 2. It'll be up on the screens if you don't have a Bible, but it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And so everybody went to be registered to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of David into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. 
to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And so she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And we'll look at this story. But Father, we pray that you would speak to us. Show us, Lord, what Christmas is all about. We pray that you would touch our hearts, Lord, by what you've done. We ask all this in Jesus' name and everyone agreed by saying together, amen. You may be seated, please. So Caesar Augustus ruled the, the world. He was the emperor of the civilized world from 27 years before Christ to 14 years after the birth of Christ when he died. Caesar Augustus was honored as a benefactor, a builder. He was really an administrative genius. Under his reign, the world enjoyed peace from military conflict. They called it Pax Romana. If if you're not peaceful, we'll kill you. (laughs) This was Roman peace. If you cause any disturbance, we'll just take you out. Yet it's interesting that the first century philosopher, a guy named Epictetus, while he said that he, he wrote these words in the first century, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. In the story of Christmas, the original story of Christmas, it's the record of the one who has come that can bring us this peace. And he brings it to anyone and everyone that will let him in and do what he's wanting to do in our souls. He can give that peace that Epictetus wrote and said that the world of his day longed for but which the most powerful man on earth, Augustus Caesar, could not deliver to the people. Verse one, it came to pass in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Okay, this is a census. Okay, and the census took place, he gives a time stamp here while Quirinius was the governing governor of Syria, and so everybody went to be registered, everybody to his own city. So Luke chapter two opens here with the record showing the circumstances under which Joseph and Mary went back to their hometown. Joseph with his very pregnant wife, they went to the place where the prophecy of Micah 5.2, the prophecy had said where the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Why did Joseph take his wife to Bethlehem? Why? You know, they're living up in the north. Bethlehem is down in the south. They're living up in Nazareth, okay? Mary is so pregnant, she's ready to pop. It's at least a one-week journey because you're, you, there's no buses, there's no 
you know, little air, 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 air travel arrangements. They don't even have electric bicycles, okay? It's a one-week journey, but if you're pregnant, you're, especially if you're in your third trimester, it's even longer than a one week. Why would you take your pregnant wife on such a long journey? Well, the, the, the human side of the story, and there's always a human side and a divine side. We, if, you, if you find someone that God has used and you listen to their story, there's always a human side of how they got into doing what they're doing. And there's also a divine side to the story. The human side of the story is because Caesar said jump and everybody said how high. You don't mess around with Caesar's decrees. Caesar made a decree that everybody should be registered. They're doing a census because Rome wants to know how many men of military age there are in case a war breaks out and they know who, where you are to conscript you into the military. The Jewish people were exempt from military service under Rome but they were not exempt from this census because Rome wanted to know where everybody was. You know why? Because they want to tax you. They, they might say you don't have to be in the military, but we're still going after your money. The divine side of this story is that God is bringing Joseph and Mary to the place that the prophets had said the Messiah would be born. So there's a human side and a divine side. God is working out his will in and through this decree of Caesar. And it says, Joseph also, like everybody else, verse four, went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David. So he takes this journey south into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. The house of bread is the literal translation because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Everybody had to go back, because Caesar said jump, you had to make a journey back to the ancestral hometown of your people, okay? Joseph and Mary's people were from Bethlehem. They're of the house and lineage of David, and the prophets had said that the Messiah is going to come through the lineage of David. So this is why God is bringing them back to Bethlehem. How does he get them there? Caesar gives a decree. Everyone's got to go back to your hometown of your ancestors. Okay? It's interesting that God brings the Christ to the place he is to be born by a decree of the government. You know, we get so angry at government stuff, politics. You know that God is bigger than politics? And he doesn't, his plan isn't for us to just be always angry at what world rulers are deciding because God is sovereign. And what that means is that God is able to do and pull off his will in and through all of the good and evil choices of men, of angels, of fallen angels, and of governments. This is what we call the glorious sovereignty of God. Man has free choice. This isn't a puppet show, okay? This isn't some simulation that we have no free will. 
But God, in and through all of the good and the bad, free will choices of men, of angels, and governments, he brings about his will. That's what we see here in the opening verses of Luke chapter two. Caesar makes a decree, and God's bringing this family to the place where the Christ must be born because the prophets have spoken. Now what's interesting here is that they get there, they arrive, it says while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She was that pregnant. She was that pregnant during this whole registration ordeal. They arrive in Bethlehem and soon after she goes into labor and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Okay, we've heard this a million times. Every Christmas there's songs and there's a, you know. I pray that we can hear this thing because sometimes when we hear something so much we don't hear it anymore. It's like, oh boy, here it goes. You know, you've pictured Linus. And from Charlie Brown, you know, with his blanket, like, wah, 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 saying this, you know. As soon as she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no room for, in the inn. So many people are returning to register because Caesar said jump and everyone's running. All the hotels are booked is what this is saying. Right now, people are running around. Can you feel the anger on the freeway? In the parking lots? It's unbelievable. People are so stressed out. Oh, I gotta get Aunt June a present. They're all angry. Why is Aunt June in my life, you know? I gotta get her a present, and they're, they're tailgating, and it's just like, man, I just wanna stay away from the these places right now. The first Christmas, the original Christmas, there's no room in the inn. It's stress time, (laughs) you know? The hotels are booked. Mary gives birth to the Messiah. She wraps him in strips of cloth. They don't have a place. I mean, I can't even fathom this, the hassle but she wraps him with strips of cloth and swaddling clothes, right? This is a very common practice. It has been all through history. There are parents all over the world that wrap their little babies with swaddling cloths. You ever see those babies? They wrap them up so they can't move. I I don't like this practice. (laughs) My mom put me in a onesie, and I think about this practice, and apparently kids are good, babies are good with it. They've been in the womb all confined for nine months or whatever. And then in the morning, they unwrap him, and the kid's like, ah, you know, he's all happy. This was happening back then. They, 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 the, Mary wrapped him up, and she lays him in a manger. Now, we picture manger, you know, with the whole scene, like this structure with, you know, a, a, a straw roof, and it's, you know. A manger is the horse trough, feeding trough, that's what, that's what the manger is. It's not the whole scene, it's the trough. A manger is the feeding trough. The king of the universe has now come to the world, the Messiah of Israel. 
He's wrapped up in these strips of cloth and he's laid in a horse feeding trough. That's the picture here because there's no room in the hotels. What a trip. You talk about low key arrival. You talk about humble arrival. You know, there have been many private announcements to individuals, okay? There's actually, there's only been two announcements to private individuals. Here we're gonna see the first public announcement of the arrival of Israel's Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords into human skin. We're gonna see the first announcement here and to whom is this announcement made? Who is it made to? To some group of celebrities? You know, to some powerful dignitaries? Who is the first announcement of the arrival of the king going to be to? Notice, there were in the same country, there in the countryside around Bethlehem, certain shepherds living out in the fields. Okay, you live out in the fields for a little while, you're gonna be ripe. These were some stinky dudes that had greasy hair, unkempt, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. On this night, they were watching over their flocks. Now you have to realize that shepherds were ranked among the lowest on the social scale. You know, by the first century, especially to Romans, sophisticated Romans, they were considered just these grubby, slimy guys. But even to the Israelites, they were looked down upon as dirty and unkempt. They were the underclass of polite society. They were in a category of people that the Pharisees had put, the Pharisees had a big category of people that weren't as holy as them. They called them sinners. The shepherds were part of that class. You can't trust these people, they're, they're, they're disgusting. You know, they were looked upon by polite society with suspicion because they moved with their flocks around these towns into the outlying fields and the people would watch their belongings while these guys went by. This is how they were looked at, shepherds. Okay, we got in our little manger scenes, you got the shepherds, they're all, you know, their blow-dried hair and, you know, they're looking like Brad Pitt or whatever and, This isn't the picture. They're all standing there respectful and all. God purposely announces the arrival of the savior of mankind to shepherds. We have to transport ourselves back into the first century context to understand the impact of what's happening here. That the king of the universe, the savior of the world, the long-awaited Messiah that all the prophets had spoken of, He's been born to this poor family that have just traveled south for over a week while she's pregnant, and there's no place to stay. She gives birth, she wraps the baby up and puts him in a horse trough. And the first announcement that he's here is to a bunch of shepherds, the lowest and the social, the lowest social class. A bunch of people that no one would ever thought that God would bring this announcement. And the message in this is that the gospel is for everybody. God purposely is doing this. 
God has come in Christ not only for the polite society, not only for respectable citizens, but through the Gospels we find Jesus purposely going after those who are cast out, that have been marginalized or stigmatized by the religious community. This is how he was born. This is how he was brought in this humble manner. The announcement is first not to dignitaries or celebrities with a special invitation. They pull up in their chariots, their Rolls Royce chariots, to shepherds living out in the fields. Do we hear what God is saying? This is how God planned his arrival, you see? And then Jesus goes on, like we find, like we've been seeing in the Gospels. He goes on to purposely go after the outcast, the person that everybody else said, you can't come in here. You're, not, you're unacceptable. Jesus goes and he says, you're have, I'm having lunch at your house. To the woman at the well who'd been looking for love in all the wrong places and nobody was supposed to talk to her, Jesus says, I'll talk to you. I'll show God's love to you until your life is changed. This is how God works. This is what God is doing. And so here for the first public announcement of the arrival of the Savior of the world, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. Okay, so what's happening here? Because the Bible tells us that there are higher dimensions that are all around us. Just like we have a four-dimensional world that we're so familiar with, height, length, width, and time, right? Our Nobel Prize-winning physicists today are finally catching up with what the Bible revealed thousands of years ago, and they're telling us that there's higher dimensions that we're walking right through right now. That the math and their observation of quantum phenomena shows, these guys are winning these prizes for string theory, but they said there's absolutely, with their, the theories are pointing to, one of the string theories says 11 dimensions. And they're asking, who's in the, these other dimensions? Well, the Bible has told us from thousands of years that there's, a, there's realms around us that we can't see with our eyes, but they're there. And there's, an, there's a realm where angels dwell. So what's happening here is these shepherds are in the field and, the, and somehow God supernaturally opens up a portal to see into a higher dimension and there's this angel who's always been there but now they see him and notice the reaction. The glory of the Lord shone around them out in the field and they were greatly afraid. I would be too. I've never had an experience like this. Maybe some of you had but they're afraid. Why are they afraid? Because God is showing up on the scene and they're afraid of what he has to say to them. Angels are messengers. What is the message he's gonna bring? You know, they probably have some goods among in their, their camp that they picked up and they stole and they had the reputation for a reason. They're afraid and the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, right there in Bethlehem, a savior who is the Christ. God deliberately 
chooses this first announcement to these guys, and they're afraid. So many people are afraid of what God might say to them if he showed up. So many people are afraid. Why? Because we all deal with guilty consciences. We all wonder, did I do enough? You know? Should I have done more? Especially right now. You know how many people hate Christmas? Because it's like, oh no. I feel, did I get, are they going to like my present? Did I do enough? Oh, I forgot. That's what all the tension is out there right now. You know, I got, oh gosh, I got to deal with this relative that I hate, <laughs> you know. And now it's like every, the whole world's stopping and saying, no, you got to meet him for, you know, and have a dinner with him. And we all, we're, we're all like, gosh, Lord, we're all flawed and broken. We struggle because we are guilty sinners. We struggle because we do hide our shame. Ever since our first father, our first mother, Remember when Adam, when Adam fell into sin? What did he do immediately? He became ashamed. He knew that he was naked. He went and hid himself and covered himself with fig leaves. This is basically what the world is doing. <laughs> we're, covering, we're hiding and covering ourselves with fig leaves. And, if God, and we're afraid that God is gonna break in and say something to us because we know that we're hiding and we know that we're covering ourselves with fig leaves. We're good at faking appearances. I'm good at this too. I'm not pointing at you, I'm pointing at me too. We're afraid to be found out for how small we really are, how powerless I really am, how frail I am. I'm afraid that someone will know the stuff I struggle with in my mind. When I, because I, I know, I know myself. And you might see the guy that has the, the the Mercedes with the tinted windows, black. He jumps out with a power suit on and a black tie and black, dark glasses. He's hiding. I've met these guys, insecure, full of fears. He looks so powerful but he's actually afraid. A lot of the guys in the gym, you know, they, want to, they feel small, they wanna feel bigger, you know? That's why they're pumping it up. I gotta look like I'm, I gotta look, I gotta pump it up, man. I'm not, I, I work out at the gym too. For me, it's, at this point, it's just so I can keep moving. It's, it's all about muscle mass and bone density at this stage of my life, because I wanna be able to keep walking, because I have kids, you know? The reality is, is that we're all very small. We all struggle with all sorts of things. Some with insecurities, other people with fears. You know what, I'll say something, you, it might sound wild at first, but we all struggle with an addiction. What do you mean, pastor? I ain't no dope addict, I ain't no drug addict. I, I don't, I'm not shooting heroin or taking opiates, and maybe you are. It's, a, it's an epidemic right now in our country. Some people are addicted to attention. Some people are addicted to food. I've been addicted to food. <laughs> There's been cookies up here at the office for weeks now, and I've either got to get new pants or I've got to make a new plan for how I'm going to deal with this. 
Some people are addicted to shopping and their credit card debt is out, off, the, off the charts. You know that 20% of Californians are addicted to gambling? 20%. The casinos will come and pick you up because they know you're addicted. Come on, we'll take you. They know what's going on. It's about the dopamine rush. Dope. Dopamine rush. Are we all dope addicts? You know? Are we all? But you know what? God hasn't come to condemn us. Why is he going to the shepherds? Why is he going to these people that were, everybody knew that they were kind of dirty and they were kind of shady. Everyone looked at them with suspicion. And they're afraid. Like, like, Like I would be if I didn't know who God was as he revealed himself in Christ, as we're going to look at here in a minute. I would respond the same way. I I did respond that way. I didn't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it because I'm afraid to be found out. But God has not come to further shame us or condemn us. God did not send his son, John 3, 17, into the world to condemn the world. I think we have a verse. Maybe we don't. John 3, 17, but rather that the world through him might be saved. He didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to further shame us. He's come to love us, listen, out of our hiding that we might drop our fig leaves and come back into fellowship with him, which is our healing. Okay? I am small. I'm not good. (laughs) I'm not great. I have been loved by God and I can afford to tell you this about me. I have insecurities. I got fears. Sometimes I can't, I toss and turn at night. I worry about stuff. I can, how can I afford to tell you this? Because God in Christ has loved me out of hiding. I'm not exhausting myself by trying to put on the fig leaves anymore. I'm forgiven. God is with me. He said he would never, ever leave me or forsake me. In my weakness, he's constantly showing himself strong. And there's an authentic, powerful, beautiful thing that God has been doing in my life over the 42 years I've been walking with him. That's my story. I used to hide, though. I used to wear the fig leaf. I used to put on the image. And it's so tiring. It's so exhausting. He appears, the angel appears, the messenger of God appears to the shepherds in the field and they're greatly afraid because they're just like us. They struggle with the guilty conscience. They struggle with being found out. But God has come to love us to himself. To love us to himself. The only thing that'll get us out of hiding because we're naked. We're naked. We've, We've been naked since Adam. And we're, we're, we're hiding in the bushes. And all sorts of stuff calls to us and says, come on out. And we're like, there's no way I'm coming out. I'm naked. The only thing that can bring a person, a human being, out of that hiding is the love of God in Jesus Christ as he stands and he says, I'm not here to expose you. I'm not here to shame you. Come out. I'm here to wrap you in the robe of my righteousness. This is what it means when we come to Christ. I'm not gonna shame you. Love takes, makes no record of wrongs. 
Love covers a multitude of sins, the Bible says. Do you see what's happening here? These guys are afraid. The angel says, no, 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 don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be to all people. Listen to that. This is how the angels saw what God is doing through Jesus. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think of when you think of Christianity? What do you think of when you think of what Christ is up to in people's lives? Is it that? I bring you great glad tidings of great joy that's for everybody. Listen, if that's not, if that doesn't fit with what you think about Jesus, then what you think about Jesus needs to change because this angel can see clearly. And it's us that have sometimes gotten caught up in something that has evolved into something that is not what God is doing. Great, glad tidings of great joy for all the people. This is the gospel of the love of God come on the first Christmas day. This is God's gift to us. For there is born to you, he's speaking to these shepherds, he's born to you guys, this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And they're like going, to us? To us? You're bringing, he was born to us? He was born in Bethlehem, but he was born to you. To you. To you shepherds. He goes to the lowest. He goes to those that everybody would go, not them. He goes, yes, to them and to everybody else. But it's to them first and everybody else also. Okay? And this will be a sign to you. You will find this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a horse trough. <laughs> the angel is telling these shepherds. I want you to go to Bethlehem and check this out. You'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. He's all wrapped up. And he's laying in a horse trough. The shepherds are thinking, the Messiah is laying in a horse trough? The king has arrived and he's in Bethlehem in a horse trough? They're thinking, this is our kind of gig. Horse troughs, that's our stuff. We can do horse trough. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 they were worried a second earlier that he was gonna say he's in a palace up in Jerusalem. He's in Herod's palace and only the rich and famous and connected can get in there that are well-groomed and that have their act together. But no, he's in Bethlehem right now wrapped in swaddling cloths and he's in a horse trough. They're like, well, we can do that. We can do that. We, 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 we deal with horse troughs, that's our thing. We feed our sheep in these troughs all the time. And notice what it says. Suddenly, there, were in, there was a, a, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. So this portal that opened up where they could see this one angel now is widened and they can see into this higher dimension and the whole dimension is filled with these angelic warriors. Do you know that angels are warrior beings? I don't fully understand angels. I'm not gonna pretend like I do. I can't, I've never seen one. But the Bible tells me that there are higher dimensions and there's a spiritual war that's waging, that's raging, 
in a higher dimension all around us. There's ranks among angels. There's angels that are assigned to certain geographical territories. There's spiritual battle that's, and these guys are warriors. It's not little babies with wings. These are awesome, warring beings that God has created and there's spiritual battle happening all around. And so now this one angel has finished his saying and now the whole realm opens up and these guys see all these warrior angels, this heavenly host, and what are they doing? They're praising God. Have you ever heard a huge group of soldiers singing? It's pretty awesome. These bunch of guys that are just battle-tested and they're singing. I I used to live, I grew up right next to Camp Pendleton and we would go surfing down at San Onofre almost every day and you'd see this pack of Marines running and then they were chanting their songs. It was amazing to hear a warrior sing and to hear a choir of warriors. And here they're seeing this choir of angelic warriors and they're singing praising God. Notice what it says. They were singing and praising God. And the lyrics to their song were glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. These angels that could see what was happening in heaven and on earth, in other words, with a broader perspective than you and I have, the lyrics of their song was glory. What's happening through this baby in the horse trough is going to bring glory to God. And on earth, it's going to bring peace and goodwill toward men. Okay, this is the gospel. This is what God is doing through his son, Jesus Christ. This is what God has been bringing to the world through the centuries. Suddenly, this view into this higher dimension, they see this. You can imagine the hair standing up on the back of their necks as they see this awesome sight, as they hear the lyrics of their song. God on earth through Jesus Christ is bringing glory to God and peace. He's bringing peace to us. You know what peace is? The Greek word for peace, it means the bringing together of that which has been broken off. It was actually in the first century used in medic- with doctors when a doctor would set a broken bone. It's the bringing together of that which has been broken off. The reason why we're freaked out and afraid that God's gonna show up is because we're broken off and we've been up to all sorts of crazy stuff. And God comes and says, don't be afraid. I've come to get you, but not in the way you think. I've come to get you. Now I've come to get you and bring you back to God, to bring back that which has been broken off. This is what the angels see are happening. What do you see that is happening through Christ, through Christianity, through the gospel, through the whole thing? I, when, I, when I see what God is wanting, what God is doing, sign me up. When I look at a lot of Christian stuff that's going on and what people are doing and their distorted views, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. And maybe some of you feel that way. Because there's a lot of misrepresentation. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't comport with what the angels see here. But when we see what they see, 
I'm like, this is powerful. Lord, how can I be used in this enterprise of yours, of what you're doing on earth, bringing peace, goodwill towards men, notice there, not to women, only to men. Just kidding, this word, of course, means to human beings, okay? Mankind, it means human beings. You have to explain that stuff in our ignorant culture today. People get all caught up on words. The angels sing more than we see. They sing glory to God in the highest on earth, peace. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them, verse 15, into heaven. So the portal that was opened, it shuts. And the angels are gone. Now it's the shepherds again out in the fields of Bethlehem at night with each other. And notice what they do. When When the heavens shut up, they looked at each other. Can you imagine them looking at each other going, dude, what was that? Wow. It says they said to one another, Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go check this thing out that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. When they say, which the Lord has made known to us, they're like, God brought this to us. Let's go check this out. The king is in a, in a horse trough. Let's go see this thing, you know? I can relate to this. I'd be like, let's go. Let's go check this out, you know? And they came with haste. They hurried and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the horse trough in the manger. And they just, you can imagine them just soaking this in, absorbing all this. And it says, and when they had seen him, when they had looked at this scene and taken this in, It says, they went then and made widely known the saying that was told them concerning the child. I love that. They went and made widely known what was told them about this baby laying in the horse trough. Okay, if only the church would do this, if we would make known what we've been told that this baby in the horse trough is all about, the gospel would be powerful and pure as it goes out, okay? What what had they been told about this baby? It's a baby laying in a manger, but what had they been told by the angel, by the messenger of God? They'd been told this is good news of great joy that is for everybody, that the descendant of David that we've waited for through the centuries has arrived and he's for all of us, even us shepherds that are at the lowest part on the social scale. He's not just for religious folks or good, polite folks. He's come to make peace with us. He's come to bring us back. We've, we've been out here doing our thing, broken off. He's come to bring us back. He has good will toward us. He's not coming to smash us. This is what they went out and told. They told what they were told. They didn't reinterpret the baby in the horse trough in their own minds. And this is what a lot of religion, it evolves into this thing that a lot of people put their own thing onto it. And it turns it into this horrible, oppressive thing of people controlling people with religion and people using guilt and fear to try to move people. This is not Jesus. Jesus is good news of great joy for everybody. 
God has come with, to bring peace into your soul and to, with good will towards you, good intentions to you. To you he's been born, you shepherd. And you know what? We're all shepherds if we admit it. That the highfalutin, high society thing, the, the image, you, you strip all that from me. You take away the, I don't have a Mercedes. I used to have a Mercedes when I was a youth pastor here. My dad gave me his old Mercedes. But just take off the dark sunglasses, the power tie, the cool haircut. We're all the same, guys. We're all the same. We're hiding. We're covering ourselves. We have things we're ashamed of. We don't want people to know how frail we feel, how vulnerable we are. But to you has been born this night in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord and he's come at you with goodwill to make peace. This is Jesus. This is Christianity. This is the first Christmas present that was ever given. And all that heard these shepherds as they went out and told what they were told about what this is, all that heard them, their message, marveled. Everybody was marveling at the things which were told them by the shepherds. The shepherds are telling, they're looking at these shepherds going, what has changed your life? These guys are giddy. These guys are not afraid anymore. These guys are filled with love. They're loving people that have despised them because they've been healed. They've been healed by the love of God. And all the people that are hearing them, are, and they're marveling at everything that these guys are saying. And part of it was because of who was saying it, the shepherds. You know, I think about the Jesus revolution that happened in Southern California some 50 years ago that has literally changed Christianity throughout the world. This Jesus revolution, that there's one research organization that traces, they said that there's about 30 million Christians today that trace their spiritual roots back to that movement. Who did God reveal himself to in the 60s? God was wanting to, re- to bring a revolution of Christ to shake up crusty old religious legalistic churches and bring a fresh view of himself to another generation all around the world. Who did he reveal himself to? Hippies. Hippies. They were the shepherds of that day. Hippies. And the hippies came and saw who he is and went out and told who he is and millions of other people came to Christ. Because the, the rich, the, the, the other people that were faking it till they make it, putting on the whole costume, doing the whole thing, they were like going, you've got the real thing. I want it too. You see what God's doing? This is how God works. It's powerful. But Mary, she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. All of this is happening already around this baby that she just gave birth to. Pastor Ed's going to talk tonight about wise men that then came. People were being, these wise men of Babylon came following the, the stars and came to the Christ. Mary's just tripping out going, wow, my baby, my baby wrapped in cloth sitting in a horse trough has, has caused this chain reaction already. The shepherds are going everywhere. People's lives are being changed. She kept these things in her heart and then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen 
Notice again, as it was told them, as it was told them, they stuck to how, what God, how God described what Jesus is about. Glad tidings of great joy for everybody. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. This is the gospel. This is what it is. You know, whenever I come across some preacher and he's bringing some heavy trip on people, I'm like, going, you are not dialed in to what the angels saw that Jesus is about. And I don't want to have anything to do with your religious trippy stuff. That's what I, I think. I want to stick to what God has said that Jesus is about. What the angels could see that see better than us. I don't trust myself and I don't trust any man to handle the gospel. Because <laughs> we make things weird to control others. We're sick. But what has God told us about Jesus? What is the angels that see clearly. That's what they stuck to. These guys are amazing ministers of God. They're sticking to what God says about what Jesus means and what is happening in Christ. They're just giddy, giddy shepherds praising God, so blessed. Messiah is here and he told us first. He's told us first. Their lives are changed. Their soul has felt its worth. Okay, oh holy night, right? The stars are brightly shining. We sing. We're going to sing this song tonight. It's one of my favorites. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining away, rotting away, until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The shepherd realizes I'm worth as much as anybody else. Because this is what Christ has said to us. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. This is first century. Half of the Roman Empire are slaves. Europeans, white people, enslaved in Ro by the Romans. Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. What Jesus is doing here, what God is doing by, by coming in human skin, being born to a poor family, being laid, arriving and being laid in a horse feeding trough, is he saying, I am accessible to everybody and anybody, and I'm coming for everybody. God in Christ literally has changed the world. He's changed the world. Jesus is always elevating those that people put down. And why do we put each other down? Because I'm, I'm afraid. I gotta put you down because I feel like it lifts me up. And it's, it's an illusion, it doesn't lift me up. It just puts you down. But when I've come to Christ, I don't, God has elevated me. I'm forgiven, I'm clothed in the righteousness of God. I don't need to put you down. I don't need to say you're so messed up to make myself feel better about my sin because my sins are forgiven and gone and I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I can just love people. I don't have to do that religious weird thing where we, you put people down. You say, look at this disgusting person. 
because my soul has felt its worth. I'm blessed, you see. He's always bringing near those that the self-righteous have pushed away. He's always lifting up folks and restoring them to their rightful place of dignity as human beings. This is what Jesus is doing. When he came, the world was changed. It's interesting, and we'll close with this. If you study Greek, Roman history, even before that, the Persian, the empires, you want to talk about slavery and oppression, you disagreed with that king, that dictator, off with your head, you know, the idea of equal rights and human dignity, Jesus brought it to the earth. Do, do your studies. Tom Holland, a book, um, I mean, what's the name of his book? Tom Holland, he's a Cambridge historian. He wrote a book about the impact of Christ on the world. And he says that a lot of the political left today that, don't, that, that curse God, they're championing values that were brought by Jesus into the world, equal rights, you know, um, all, all, human dignity and all these things. And it, it, it's, it's insane how they're championing things and they don't even realize that the very Jesus they reject is the one that brought that into the world. And he did. And go read that book. You'll, it's a fascinating read. It's very academic. The world has been changed. And many times the world in different places will tend towards oppression again. And then a group of Christians will come in, like what, you know, and, the, and they'll bring the gospel and they'll bring what Christ has brought and say, this is wrong, you can't do this. Today we've got people that are championing values that Christ brought, but they don't know Christ and then they, they get as violent as everybody else and hateful. That's not how it works. Christ has come. Let him in. Merry Christmas to you. Open this gift. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. You know? Open the gift. He's brought him. He's come for you. He's come for you. With good will. To make peace. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. For your Christmas gift to us. Lord, and in the midst of the craziness right now, all around us, even here in Redlands, over there at Target, <laughs> all the stress on the freeway, Lord, may we sit and open and enjoy the gift of God in Christ. In Jesus' precious name we pray, and everybody who agrees said together, hey, let's stand up and we'll close with one final song, and then tonight we'll meet back up with Pastor Ed and the children's choir and oh, we're gonna have a great time tonight. But let's close in one song together.
If you're here this morning and you've never received the Lord, what a, what a time to receive the original Christmas gift, to receive salvation in Christ. You can do that this morning. I'm gonna be on the edge of the stage. I'd love to pray with you if you're here. There's a group of guys. We have a prayer room and these guys love to pray. But get prayed for, receive Christ. And then come on back tonight, children's choir, message with Pastor Ed. It's a one hour family service. All the kids will be in here except for the really tiny ones that are wrapped in swaddling clothes. We have a horse trough for them on the side, but God bless you. Say hi to someone on your way out. We'll see you tonight. Bless you.